Amber and Amanda here. We'd like to introduce you to the newest podcast, Article 15, produced by Veterans Drinking Vodka Production and hosted by our good friend, Ryan Brazel. Article 15 is attempting to bring both awareness and an end to 22 veterans committing suicide every day. Ryan speaks with everyday veterans with everyday issues for veterans acclimated back into civilian life. New episodes are released every Friday. Check it out and don't forget to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Amber, what are you drinking today? Well, I still haven't gone to the liquor store. However, I am not at home, so I am partaking in some Megalobe Ultra instead of Keystone. I went a couple classes higher. You took a step up from that Keystone? I mean, I didn't pay for it, so any alcohol that's free is good. Cheers. What are you drinking, Amanda? Today, I'm actually drinking just plain old vodka with no flavors, and I've mixed it with my favorite, ginger beer. Of course you did. I should have called it. How is it with the plain vodka and ginger beer? It's good. It just tastes like ginger beer. Okay. Like, you don't even taste the vodka. It's actually kind of dangerous. I'll give you that, then. Yeah, it's always seen. I had quite the concoction of beverages yesterday, so. Fully aware. I mean, the concoction. However, I didn't wake up with a hangover. Well, that's exciting because I saw your Snapchat and I was wondering. Yes, no hangover. No hangover. And I'm really honestly surprised. No water, no nothing. And I just got up and rocked and rolled, so. That's what's up. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Maybe a little of both? Sure. <laughs> Welcome to this episode of Veterans Drinking Vodka. We believe that every veteran has a story to tell, and we are here to tell it. We have found that being a veteran can be very hard, while being a service member was a little bit easier. In this episode, we are talking to Aaron Amazalaro. Thank Lar- you. Amazalarso, I forgot the Amazalarso. Amazalarso. So he definitely has won the competition for the hardest last name to say. To date. To date, yes. Aaron served in the United States Navy. Yay, go Navy. From 2007 to 2011 as an aviation mechanic. How are you, Aaron, and what are you drinking? I'm doing really good, and I'm drinking a margarita, actually. I'm I'm a... Man of simple tastes. Tequila and a little bit of lime juice. Cheers to simplicity. Cheers to a homemade margarita. So really, if it's just tequila and a little bit of lime juice, wouldn't it be a tequila gimlet? It would, would be. I just, I never can remember the names. Oh, I like a good gimlet. Way to call them out. Geez. What? Way to call them out. I mean, well, a gimlet... It, 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 it's it's not the worst thing. I could have made the drink me and my buddies invented in the Navy, which was Mountain Dew, Red Bull, and Bacardi O Mandarin. And the name for that was a Doomy. Well, I think I want to have a Doomy. <laughs> but that's how you had to order it. Can we can we add that recipe to the show notes in case anyone wants a Doomy? Sure, no problem. Be happy to give it yeah, to you. Yeah, let's it's, do it's, it. It's, it's really easy. Third, third, third. A little right. bit of ice. Do you think you I mean, could do it with a mandarin vodka instead of a mandarin Bacardi? You, prob- you probably could. Definitely. Because you know, the mandarin's just for flavor. 
I'm not much of a rum girl, but I would try it with some vodka. Orange, some orange Mandarin is orange, so orange vodka. Yeah. I do yeah. think I think there is a Mandarin vodka now because you know they make vodka in every single flavor ever. True. Kind of like bang. Yeah. I know there's a million of those flavors too, and they just keep coming up with new ones. Yep. My name is Doc. I am hosting a softball tournament in June. Actually, it will be June 3rd, 4th, and 5th, the first weekend. It's a Thursday, Friday, Saturday event to raise money for Mission 22 to help prevent veteran suicide. Because as you know, 22 veterans a day commit suicide. I would love for y'all to be a part of this tournament by giving donations. I can be reached by email and it's beard, B-E-A-R-D, bash, B-A-S-H dot softball at gmail.com. All money, all proceeds will go to Mission 22. All right, Aaron, can you tell us where you're from and a little bit about how your story started? Well, uh, originally I'm from a little town outside of Atlantic City, New Jersey called Linwood. Um, I think there's maybe 1,500 people there that live there. I, like a lot of the people that tend to join the military, was a D student. <laughs> I, e equals diploma. Yes. Well, my, my problem with it. this is that in school... I got bored. I have a severe case of attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. And when they started repeating the classes, I would get bored. And so I would fall asleep. But somehow I would ace the exam and the teacher never could figure it out. So I was a CD student my whole career. I think I graduated with like a 1.23 GPA. I was a terrible student. And then, you know, attempted community college, hated it. So at, at 19... Looking down the barrel at 20, my mother and I were not on good terms um, relationship-wise. We have improved vastly over the last 13 years, but I was still that attitudinal end of the teenage years going into my 20s thing, and my mother and I just butted heads. So how I ended up joining the Navy is ironic was I did it basically to get away from my family and to get away from my my relationship because, you know, I joined in 2000. Six or late 2006, early 2007, I went to MEPS and did all that. And I basically did it as a go away mom. I'm running my own life thing. And of course, it flipped on me. She was proud. And so, you know, I went to, went to MEPS and took the ASVAB, basically walked in the recruiter's office, said, what do I have to do? Where do I have to sign? I want to go as soon as possible. Let's get the ball rolling. And I am a winner, baby. I'll admit it. I detest summer. So I was like, I want to go. Like after October, after the summer heat breaks, he's like, how about no leaving November 6th? Sign me up. So I, I, I took the practice ASVAB. I think I got like a 90, 94, 95 on the practice ASVAB. Cheers to a high ASVAB score. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers to that. We haven't talked about ASVAB scores in a while. Well, and then I went to MEPS and it's funny. I don't know if you guys remember the, the identify the shapes and how they fit together section. The last section of the ASVAB from on, on mine. Took the ASVAB about 25 years ago. <laughs> well, there's this section where you have to identify shapes. And I got to that point and I had had a, about a 32 ounce cup of coffee that morning. So I'm like, my eyeballs are starting to float on me. So I'm like, see, 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 done out just to try to get to the head. And I still ended up scoring an 87 on the ASVAB. When in doubt, choose. See your way out. See your way out. Yep. That, that was my Command Master Chief's favorite line. Shout out to Master Chief Brian Collier. My, <laughs> hey, let's cheers to him. 
Cheers to him, yes. I'm I gonna, feel like that name is familiar. Uh, he, it sounds familiar to me, too. Uh, trust me, if you ever on the car walk? Uh, I, I'm not sure on, on that one. I actually ended up leaving for Bouquet. Chief Collier. I guess it's a pretty common last name, though. It, it, trust me, if you met Master Chief Collier, you'd remember him. Was uh, a bosun's mate before he became a CMC. And uh, was a heavy smoker, so he had that really gravelly, deep voice, and it could carry. Oh, my <laughs> God, it could carry. I have a story for that later. <laughs> but then went to uh, Great Lakes, November 7th, I started. And I was, that was probably unintelligent of me because I went over Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's. So we were on a, me too. here's to being crazy and going to Great Lakes, Illinois, <laughs> over that thing. But, I meant, uh, I didn't go for Thanksgiving, but I was there for Christmas and my birthday, which is uh, New Year's. So, yep. Gotcha. I left 10 days before Christmas. We did the accelerated program. So I did eight weeks of training in six weeks. So we just, oh. we were going, going, going. I don't know it, if it that was, was even a thing for me. Was it for <laughs> yeah, it was, it, it was kind of rough. I did the regular. I did the regular. I didn't was, even know there was an accelerated boot camp. Well, over, um, it was funny because all three of my RDCs were getting ready to transfer. We were the last division. Oh. So basically their orders expired January the 6th. So we had to graduate by the 4th so they could check out. So we did six weeks of boot of basic training and basically. Two weeks of killing? No, uh, literally we were done. In November 7th to January 4th, we graduated January 4th. And we were, I think, CNO gold. I feel like I only went to six weeks of boot camp. I mean, I went I went December 15th to February 14th. So that's, what, eight weeks, yeah. Eight weeks. Yeah, so, it was eight weeks. I don't know. It was a long time ago. And then, wow. I, if you remember, when Katrina struck the coast in 2005, 2006, it had done a lot of damage to the base in Pensacola. So they had started what was called the STAR program. Basically, they moved all the aviation ratings all over the country so I went from snowy Great Lakes, Illinois, to San Diego, California at Naval Station, Naval Air Station, North Island in Coronado. Left uh, the day I we, we went to go to report for A school. I think it was ten below zero and snowing when we took off. So we're all in thermals and our pea coats and just gloves, scarves, hats, everything we could put on, and we get to San Diego and it's like eighty-five degrees. It's like what is going on? Oh yeah. I love it. So, sounds like you had a real struggle. at all. Before we get more into duty station stuff, Aaron, what made you go with the Navy and why an aviation mechanic? Well, I chose the Navy because one, I've I've been I live literally four houses from the beach. I've always loved the smell of the ocean, so it was kind of a natural draw to me. My father was actually Coast Guard. My mom's dad was Army World War II. And my, my dad's dad was Merchant Marines, World War II. So it was just like, you know, Navy was basically the first office there that, that had somebody available that I started talking to. And I said, great, sign me up. And uh, I've always been mechanically inclined. You know, I work with my hands still to this day, every day. But I was like, you know, I really don't want to work on a ship. I don't want to be below deck. I want to be able to actually see the world and be able to get up and get out of there. Like, do, do you have like an aviation mechanic? They're like, well, we have aviation machinists made. I'm like, do I qualify for that? They're like, yep. I'm like, great, take it, sold. So that's basically how I did it. It was just a draw from the hip. This is kind of in the area I want to be in. How about this? Yep, good to go. Went with that. I basically, they, they tried to offer me nuke, wasn't interested in being below deck, wasn't interested in being on a submarine. 
No one should ever be in Nuke. <laughs> They're weird. They are weird. They are weird. We're not even cheersing to that because they're weird. We had at North if we Island, know it, if there is had, a nuclear person listening to this podcast right now, we would love to interview you. Oh my god, yes, please. Like I you know, like we had a nuke that went air traffic controller. Really? Yeah, that's Mason, an odd switch. Mason Sakota. Oh, he was weird. He was weird. He was a nuke, and he failed out. Yeah, and became air traffic controller station at north island i remember him i you know he's still my friend on facebook like he has a family and all kinds of stuff. like he's yeah. doing really well it's like he came out of that nuke coma and like and that's he became together. a normal person yeah <laughs> <laughs> a normal person i'm air quoting normal because there's no such thing as normal no there's it depends on what you consider normalcy weird. we're all right. veterans here so normal for us is not normal for the other people listening on the it you know not. civilian but, side but to say nukes are weird, I mean, there's no air quotations on that at all. Nuke, nukes are weird. Y'all are weirdos. If you're listening, you're a weirdo. And we love you anyway, but you're yes. still weird. Well, we we'll still love you. Prove us wrong. Come on our podcast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right, Erin, where were you stationed and where was your favorite place to be? You know, I, I went, like I said, I went to Naval Air Station, North Island, and I know you both are kind of familiar with that particular base. Very, um, just a little bit. Do you remember there where the back gate that led out to Hotel Del Coronado was? Yeah. Yep. And that last barracks before you hit the golf course? Yep. I was room the second room from the right on the bottom, right there was where I was. That was my barracks. You were room. like in the hood of North Island. Yeah, I, I it was it was it was pretty bad. But that I was not from, a nice barracks. <laughs> No, it was not. I don't think no. any of the barracks on North Island were nice. I never went in them. I never got to like Terrible. experience them. But no AC. Them from the outside. No air conditioning on anything. None of the TVs worked in the rec room. None of the equipment worked in the rec room. And then they you, definitely wouldn't have stuck the Air Force there. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. And if you hit the soda machine that was in the gee dunk just right, it would drop three sodas for you. So they kind of okay. took that machine out. Once we figured, no. but from from there, when I graduated A school, they're like, "Well, what do you, what do you want to do? What's your top three picks?" I was like, "I wanted to work on fixed wings. I wanted to be. I, I, I loved the movie Top Gun growing up. I actually have a scale model, a one thirty second scale model of an F fourteen in my in my bedroom. It's still hanging there. It's sitting on my shelf. But I, I wanted to be a fixed wing guy. So I put you know overseas fixed wing, East Coast fixed wing, West Coast fixed wing. I figured if I just put fixed wing down the line, I'd get it." Nope. East Coast, East Coast Helos. I was a T-700 <laughs> mechanic. It, it, hey. it, was, it, was, it was bad. So then I went actually to the, uh, the USS Baton, LHD-5. Oh, um, you're a gator freighter. I am a gator. I, I am, I am an, too. I was West Coast, though. I was a West Coast gator girl. That's all right. It's just, I, we won't hold that against you. <laughs> so, Erin, then the question is, since you grew up on the North <laughs> Coast, you had a school on the West Coast and NC then you school. stationed on the East Coast. AMC school. Same, oh, same, you had same a school, NC school on the West Coast, and then you got stationed on the East Coast. Which coast do you prefer? It depends on what. For for no, 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 no. It, it, hold on, hold on, hold it, on. This is an all or nothing. But that, but see, I have that rare perspective that. You know, when it comes to stuff to do, stuff to see, MWR stuff, West Coast trumps East Coast 
east, right, and center. Okay, there's his boat. The answer's over. (laughs) I will admit, (laughs) I will admit, I liked the deployments in the East Coast better because I liked going through the med and getting to see all of Europe. I'm a big history I mean, I was West Coast. I was a West Coast sailor, and I got to go into the med. Really? Yeah. Because nobody I knew from the East Coast, or from the West Coast, everybody said, oh, Australia, Japan, Singapore. That's about it. I was like, well, that's boring. Amanda went everywhere from the West Coast. Yeah, we went up through the Suez. We went up into Egypt. We were in the Oh, the ditch. Do the ditch. And then we spent, obviously, a lot of time in the the Persian Gulf, and which Dubai, my favorite country in the whole world. Like, I love Dubai. And then- Dubai was awesome. Add that to my bucket list, Amanda. Yeah. It's cool. Dubai is cool. And where else? We went everywhere. Like, we went to the Philippines. We did, obviously, Singapore, Hong Kong. How was Singapore? I've, I've heard, like, mixed reviews on it. I actually didn't go to Singapore. I was, I flew off the boat about a month early of our extended deployment because my husband at the time was going to deploy and someone had to be there for our son. So they made arrangements for me to fly off. And all... All we had left to do was just travel back home and they hit Hong Kong and Singapore on the way home after all of our stuff was done. So I actually flew out with the Marines into Kuwait and then came home early. So the boat did Hong Kong and Singapore and I did Ireland and Germany. Oh, lucky you got to hit Ireland and Germany. Yeah, so it it wasn't a bad trade-off, but I can't tell you what Singapore was like because I didn't actually go there because I needed to get home before my husband at the time was deploying because we had a, a one month overlap on our deployments. Gotcha. I got so I had, thankfully I had a really awesome command and they kind of hooked it up for me and sent me TAD for a little bit so that I could be around for my kid while he took off. So gotcha. But yeah, we did. Where did I go? Australia, Philippines, Somalia, Pakistan. We were over there in the 05 in 05 for the Pakistan earthquake that that really tragic earthquake they had over there. But yeah, we did go up through the Suez and hang out in the med for quite a while. So that was pretty cool. You went through the ditch the other way. Mm -hmm. Final answer then, Aaron, East Coast or West Coast? I got to be honest. The West Coast was more fun. West Coast is the best coast. West Coast is the best coast. Yes. Except for the the fact that you couldn't go to TJ anymore. Oh, you were there late. I went to TJ all the time. So did I. Oh yeah, no. Me, Amber and I went together to the bullfights. Oh, <laughs> oh my God! There's a that was why that was wild. Fager, me, you, Danny, and Fager in the and cab yeah, when we were drinking Juan, tequila Juan with the and, cab driver. Yeah, and Juan and Karina went, and they could speak the language, so we were able to like get around. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, that was, and then we went to that. You went place. to the bullfights with me. I did, yeah. And we went to that place for the carnitas that was so good. It had like a the dirt best floor. carnitas I'll ever have in my entire life. Like, I want to go back there right now. It was, yes. It's the standard for carnitas from this day forward. Yeah. Like, yeah. or from Carn- that day forward. Yeah. The Adventures of Amanda and Amber in Tijuana. <laughs> they started in TJ. Ooh. They didn't start in TJ, but they like enhanced in TJ. Yeah, we had a good time. You remember TJ. when I got the thing? That stuck into the, I had that for so long. I don't have it anymore. I had it for so long. I, that went with me. Mm-hmm. That was cool. That was a cool day. That I still cool. have my bullhorns are hanging up in my, in my living room at home. Nice. All right, Erin. So now that we've established that the West Coast is the best coast, do you have a favorite sea story that you can tell us today? 
I actually have two. It's a tie for my two favorites. Um, the first one is how I'm going to tell you how I got my nickname, which was Asmo. And then the second one is my my favorite sea story. So what, what had happened was, obviously, my last name is an absolute mess. And my, R, uh, my RDC, AO1 Gossman. AO1, I know you made Chief. So Chief, if you're hearing this, get on the podcast. We, they'd love to talk to you. I'm going to promote this as much as I can. But would always look at me and recruit. How do you say your name? I'm Asmo or so, Petty Officer. Whatever, Asmo. Well, um, long story short, I, I had a bit of a I, – I got that boot camp, that really hard boot camp slump like four weeks in, and they thought I was gonna, I was actually going to be asmo back. Well, I looked at AO1 Gosman, and I'm like, hey, I bet you your Navy ball cap at battle stations that I'm be with this division to graduation. He went, you want my Navy ball – I said, so I want your Navy ball cap specifically. And he said, all right, recruit, prove me wrong. And I did. At Battle Stations, he uh, pushed another one of the RDCs out of the way so he could pull his cover off, hand it to me, and take a new one for himself. So that's how I got the name Asmo. But then that's my favorite. Cool. I love favorite, that. My do you favorite still season, have that ball cap? I still do. It's actually my mother has it, believe it or not. Um, she, I, I handed it to her. I said, keep this safe for me. It's hanging in my, uh, my, my closet in my room at my mom's house. Aww. It's still there. Uh, my mom actually has my entire sea bag. She wouldn't, she wouldn't let me take it. My mom threw all my shit away. Oh. But <laughs> you know what? As much as I would have liked to have, I have a few things. Like I have my dress white still. I have my part of my, uh, I don't have my dress blues. I have my dress whites. You, you, you mean the stewardess uniform, right? Yeah. I may have a utility shirt still, but. You have I, your cover. I, you, I do have my cover. My combination cover, but I pr- I think I have a garrison cap too. But I promise you, right now, that's what that's off of is my garrison cap. None of that <laughs> shit would would fit me now. Yeah, I yeah. Have no well, cheers children, to not I, fitting in your uniform. Cheers, cheers to that. not fitting in your uniform because I had no children, and I've had two children since then. So, do you think that my size ten skirt is gonna fit me? No, ma'am. Because that was not a normal size 10. That was an extra small size 10. Right, which I felt good wearing that. But yeah, there's no way that any of my <laughs> shit would fit me. I wish I still had, like, my rain jacket. I have my utility. I had my utility jacket. I think I may. I wish I still had I, my flight deck jacket. That sucker was I, I may, I may, I may have actually tactically acquired one of my ship's uh, flight deck jackets. It may or may not be in my sea bag. I had <laughs> one. No, I, yeah, I, I wish I still had but I, I still have those, but I don't fit in them. I don't know what happened. I still have them. Jacket. I, I do them. still have my pea coat, though. I love my pea coat. I like, wish I still had my pea coat. I wish. Well, I had my utility jacket when I went to college because I have pictures of me sitting in class in college with Rogers <laughs> across my chest for my <laughs> utility jacket. But I, I might have had to throw that away in the flood. I don't. I don't know. Yeah. I still have my BCGs. They fit me. I have pieces of things. I've, I've, I've got bits and pieces too. I think, yeah. I think the only uniform that I have, I know for a hundred percent I have completed. And it's only because when I got out, my mother framed it for me is my dress blues. Your uh, mom sounds like a really cool lady. My, my, uh, she has my mom. My, well, my mother, her nickname, and this is her choice, by the way, is queen bitch. She has moments of severe bitchiness, and it's actually in her will, right hand to God, 
in her will that we have to, at her funeral, play Ding Dong, The Witch is Dead. Oh, my God. <laughs> my mom's got a terribly dark sense of humor. I swear she's, she's, a, she's an army brat, so she's got that military dark sense of humor, and it's just, it's just awesome. That's amazing. Schwartz-Davidson Law is a Texas-based, veteran-friendly law firm. Credit and debt is a big game and one rigged for you to lose. The system's designed to keep you in it, spending money and juggling different types of accounts so lenders feel more comfortable lending you money. Worse credit equals worse rates, and there's no shortage of companies trying to collect. Negative reporting is an attempt to collect a debt. So what happens when a debt collector or credit bureau makes a mistake? What happens when they refuse to fix it? That's when it's time to lawyer up with Schwartz-Davidson Law. Call the folks who started in credit restoration, got a law degree, and have been holding credit bureaus' feet to the fire to protect consumers and help you take hold of your financial future instead of letting the anxiety of it run you. How do you get a debt collector to stop calling? Let them know you've got an attorney. How do you get the best deal on a settlement? With an attorney. You don't have to break the bank to fix your credit or deal with debt collectors. Contact the attorneys at Schwartz-Davidson Law for a free consultation and let us go to battle for you. We're here when you need us. All right. So what is your favorite sea story? So my favorite sea story is it was actually uh, coming home from my first float. We'd done the Med and then into the Persian Gulf. And we'd just gotten home. We just picked up all of the families for Tiger Cruise. And my shop was all the way aft of the hangar bay. I mean, literally, the only thing behind me was the fantail. I know where that's at. So we're sitting there and it's CO's call with all of the the parents and the families and all that. And it's CO's call. And my CO, Captain Sam Howard, Captain Howard, I'm going to definitely link you into this. You're awesome. My favorite CO of all time. Captain Kaler's a close second. And Captain Ross and Captain Kaler were my next two CO's. Still remember their names. But Captain Howard was, was one of the best CO's, but he was very, very soft-spoken. And I was talking about Command Master Chief Collier earlier, and here's the funny. You could barely hear... Captain Howard speaking with the microphone and the stereo equipment. My dad, my brother, and I are all the way in the back end of the hangar bay sitting on the gear. Command Master Chief, he hands the microphone to the Command Master Chief. Command Master Chief takes the microphone, shuts it off, sets it down, looks up. Can everybody hear me in the back? And you could hear him like he were standing next to him because he had that really deep three-pack-a-day smoker for 30 years, old bosun mate that used to scream in his head off voice. <laughs> My dad looks at me and goes, geez, I hate to be on the, uh, at the receiving end of one of his ass chewings. I'm like, oh, yeah, no, it's bad. Because I live two decks down from the, the main deck where the Mets Hall was. And boy, you knew when Command Master Chief was doing uh, Chief's, Met, Chief's uh, NJP because you could hear him two decks down. And then the next morning was ironically Chief's, you know, Chief's doing their thing, sending somebody up to see the skipper. And we go up for breakfast, and my dad, my brother, and I are sitting for breakfast, and you just hear Command Master Chief Collier just bellowing at these sailors. And it's just – and mind you, you know how big the mess hall is on, a, on an amphib, especially a big deck amphib. Mm-hmm. Everybody's talking. All the families were there. You could hear him like you – could, you could hear him like you, you were in the mess. Just And he's like – I was like, told you. So that's that's one of my favorite sea stories because it made my dad jump because he was he was a he was a machinist mate in the Coast Guard so he was he was used to that and he's like wow okay that was kind of scary but it was I, I still laugh about that I still laugh about that anytime I talk to Master Chief Collier I'm still friends with him on Facebook so oh tell him to come on our show 
Yes. <laughs> That'd be, uh, I will see if he's available. Um, we would love to talk to him. And uh, I will actually see if Captain Howard's interested in doing it too, because he's always pro-veteran stuff. Yeah. I'm actually friends with him. him too. I, he, I'm also friends with him. It's funny. He, Captain Howard, when uh, he earned his first Navy E-ribbon on that deployment, his license plate on his car when, I, when he left was Navy E. <laughs> that was his life. Right hand to God. You can ask him. It was That's Navy E. That's amazing. Cap- Captain Howard was fantastic. I, 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 I still talk to him. I should look up the CEO from when I was on the Tarawa because he was pretty cool. Captain Peter Murphy. He was as Irish as his name sounds. <laughs> he was a F-18 pilot, but he was captaining the Gator Freighter, the Tarawa. So it was, it was quite the experience. Cool guy, though. Real cool guy. Most aviators are really cool. Yeah, he was a brown shoe on a black shoe boat. Like... It's like, wow, that's that's interesting. Yeah, he was fun, though. He was a lot of fun. So he spent a lot of time with the air traffic controllers just because of his connection to the aviation world. Oh, yeah, I can see that. <laughs> so that meant that meant that Amanda had to do all the CO spot checks for damage control. <laughs> you, too. Here's to being DCPO. <laughs> uh, cheers. All right, so as fun as being in the Navy was and really just being on an amphib because I can't think of much things that were funner than that. But eventually you have to get out. How was your transition from being military service to being a veteran? Well, it started out really rough because as an E3, mind you, I was dual qualified, enlisted aviation and enlisted service warfare specialist qualified. I was capped to E4. So I was meritoriously promoted and I was ready to re-enlist. I was ready to sign up for six. And then the perform to serve program comes out. After dogging me for four months, four shots, my fourth time I get PTS denied. We're halfway through a deployment. So we had just gone through the ditch into the, the Persian Gulf, and we had just left Bahrain when I got my denial letter and says, hey, you're transferring back to Transient Persons Unit Norfolk as of this September 10th of 2011. It went from the, the ship on an MV-22 Osprey. Oh, my God, those things will rattle your teeth off. They are the worst bird to fly in. Never again. (laughs) Flew from there to Djibouti, Africa. Stayed there for like a week because our plane kept getting delayed. Then flew from Djibouti to Bahrain. Bahrain to Siganella. Siganella to Palma. And then Palma back to Norfolk. Was in Norfolk for four days and was out. So, you know, I, I, I was just, I felt adrift really bad. I was Joe Navy. I loved what I did. I was I was more qualified than my chief was. If there was a problem, I, I basically was an LPO as an E4, and I loved what I did. I loved being in the Navy. So I was kind of bummed that I kind of got, I fell into a, kind of a bad place there. Um, I started drinking really, really heavily. Not that I didn't drink heavily when I was in the Navy, but. It's it a kind of drinking. Yeah, and it was like, instead of going out to drink for fun, I was just drinking to try to ease the pain. And, you know, it was just trying to figure out what I wanted to do. I tried out college, hated it still, so dropped out of college. And then when uh, Hanson came out to visit me the second time in 2000 and, let's see, I'd been out for, it was 2012. So I'd been out for a little more than a year. He's like, hey, um, why don't you move back, move to Missouri and why don't you come live with me and you, you can reset your life. And I'm like, you know what, resetting my life worked once, let's do it. So we packed all my stuff and September I moved from New Jersey out of my mom's house to Missouri and 
since then I've been, I've been doing well. And one of the things that actually I missed most was the camaraderie. There's just, you've got such a tight knit group of friends and associates and just people you work with when you're in the Navy. And I miss it. Like that left a huge hole in my life. It, it took me a while to find something, but I actually found a group called the, uh, the Combat Veterans Motorcycle Association that I joined last year. It's actually the vest I'm, I'm wearing. And that has really, really helped because it gives me people who, one, can relate. And two, you, you can talk your problems to. It's like there's always an ear out there that, that somebody to reach out to. Because, I mean, it's, it was really, really rough because I also went from when I got back from that first deployment, I, I was fine. I was not suffering from anything. And then um, the earthquake happened in Haiti right after stand down. And we were there 48 hours after the earthquake. And, and that kind of left a little bit of mental scarring on me because it was just the amount of devastation in Haiti after that earthquake was ridiculous. Yeah. Um, it, it, was, it, it was really bad. And what was the worst part was that the country's so poor they didn't really have money to do proper burials. So they were just dumping the bodies in ditches. And it just, that smell, oh my God, the smell of, of human flesh decaying is terrible. And I, oh, still gives me nightmares. Still wake up sometimes from it. But, you know, getting out was really rough for me because I was ready to sign up for another six and then try to finish my career and, and, and make it through. And my command master chief was so bummed about it. He actually wrote a letter to the, to the MCPON at the time, trying to get me into any rating. I mean, and it, to go to you. Yeah. I mean, they couldn't do what, anything. What year did this happen? 2011. Yeah. That's when I was forced out as well was 2011. Like I'm right there with you. I was part of that perform to serve. It was like getting laid off. Like that's the best way I can explain it to anyone that doesn't know what perform to serve is, is it's very and, and- similar to being laid off in the civilian world. And I will tell you, it had nothing to do with your performance. No. It was literally a numbers game mm-hmm. because I watched a bunch of people that had a quarter of the qualifications I had be retained. And then people like me who wanted to be retained got cut. Exactly. And now they're like getting ready to retire. And I look at them and I'm like, like, that's it. Like, I, don't, I have no emotions about it. But I was right there with you. I got caught up in that 2011 reduction in force situation. Wait, were, weren't you an E6? I was. They, they hit you as an E6? Yep. As an AC? Really? Yeah. They, wow. said, they said, you don't have to get out, but you can't stay in air traffic controller. And then I went. Or you can go to the Army as an E5. Yeah. So I went through the whole thing where they were like, pick pick a rate to transition to and pick your three and you should get one. And then it came back. And at that time, they were reducing the military or the Navy by so much. They said, the Navy doesn't have quota to take you into any of the rates that you picked. So we're going to put it out to the entire fleet and then they came back and they said well there's nowhere in the fleet that has quota for an e6 so see you later and it turned into about a six-month battle i think it was about six months where i had to meet with the jag attorneys and put together a package and go up for an administrative review board and they they recommended retention, like from the CO down, they recommended retention. They sent it out to Bupers and Bupers said, sorry, we don't have quota. And so instead of getting a general discharge, the CO actually let me out early on a reduction in force, honorable discharge, because like, he was like, you don't deserve a general discharge. And the Navy was like, well, you can get it changed when you get out and go 
to the VA. And I was like, no, like I have lived a good career. Like I'm 86 in six years. Like I've done everything I was supposed to do. Like you're not going to give me a general discharge. And I had to, like, I had to fight for it. And it was, oh, they, I, I didn't realize what they did to me is when I was, was getting out because the PTS was so new, they gave me a discharge that was, I don't remember the code on my DD-214, but it was um, unfit for naval service. I'm like, uh, no, that needs to get changed to honorable other. Yeah. And I got them to, I got a DD-215. I did get them to change that. I didn't have to fight with what you had to go through. Cause unfortunately I was on deployment. So yeah, I couldn't even, I couldn't even pick and it the was flight. Tough. And there was quite a few people that happened to after I got out as well. And they were calling me even after I got out and was like, what did you do? And how did you do it? Like, because they just forced so many people out in 2000. Yeah, and you know what, you know what the worst part was if they would have gone to the fleet and gone, okay, we need this out? many people who wants out right now, honorable discharge. You can get out next week. I guarantee you they would have had their quota and more. Yeah. Yeah. <coughs> absolutely. It was the people who want to be in that. That's yeah, it was a really shady deal. And then they said, but you can go blue to green. They're like, we have this great program. If you don't want to be out of the military, you can go blue to green. And they said, but you'd have to go in as an E5. And I was like, just give me my two fourteen. Like I'll find something else to do. Yep. Like at that point I was just pissed. Oh, me too. Because what was funny was, is, as you can see, um, a smoker, I had actually quit smoking, believe this or not, I had quit smoking on a float. Not a workup, a full deployment that we had left early for. It was an extended deployment. I'd been smoke-free for 87 days. And then I got that PTS denied letter. First thing I did was march my happy ass up to the smoke deck, found my command master chief, mind you, on the chief smoke deck. I, I didn't walk to the... E6 and below. No, no, no. I walked to the chief smoke deck, looked at Master Chief Connor and said, I need to bum a cigarette. I need to talk to you. He goes, what's going on? I said, I just got PTS denied. And and the look on his face, it's like somebody slapped him. Yeah. Like, because I was his favorite sailor. I, I actually, here's here's one uniform I that, that you don't see very often. I owned a complete set of the dinner dress blues. I bought for the Navy ball because I was blue jacket of the year for my ship and my yeah. command master chief invited me and I went and spent like $700 out of my paycheck to go buy the complete dinner yeah. dress blues. So I was the only E six and junior was in dinner dress blues. And so, I mean, my, my command master chief loved me. That's so amazing. I mean, it, but it, yeah, it was, perform to serve didn't have anything to do with actual performance. Like you said, it was a numbers game and it was hard. It was a hard thing to deal with because the people that they were PTSing were not the people that were ready to get out. Yep. And that was so hard. And, and, and the worst part is, is I'm still friends with most of the people I made E4 with. And one of them now is a senior chief. And, you know, most of them were E6s. I'm like, yeah. y'all suck. I made E4 before every one of you. And now you're E6s and E7s. This is ridiculous. And I'm, I'm I, and part of me, I'm like, hey, great on you. I'm glad you guys, your careers are going well, that you're doing good, all that. But it's the other part of me is going, it's just you son of a bitch. I yeah. like just wear up and down and cuss I, them up and down. I am right there with you. Like I went through almost the exact same thing. So I get it for sure. So how are you doing now? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm actually doing really good now. Mentally wise, I still have nights where where it's a little rough, and I, I will admit my paranoia 
that's one thing that, that they beat into us because at the time we were still at war. So anytime we were in a Middle Eastern country, it was, hey, watch your back, watch your back. Don't trust anybody. You know, make sure you keep your head on a swivel. Just keep looking around. To, to this day, I cannot sit with my back to a door, but I'm doing much better now. You know, I don't, I don't have the, the vivid memories of, of Haiti and all that stuff still come back to haunt me because that, that, that for the first like three or four months there, I, was, I went through therapy. It really wasn't helping. I went through, you know, tried to get through to the VA. They wouldn't do anything. And it was, it never got quite super dark to where I was thinking, you know, suicide. It was just making life very hard to function on a day-to-day basis. But since I've gotten out, I've gotten married, I've had two boys that I just adore, even though my eldest is a bit of a pain. It's okay. But, you know, you know, and one of the things that I will say, um, there's an organization out here called Service Dogs for Veterans, is I believe what their name is. Don't quote me on that. But they actually take and they, they go to the, the different animal shelters and they adopt all the puppies. Oh, we've, and they train we've them. heard of that one before. Yeah. I actually have one of the biggest things that helped me was having a little bit of companionship when I first moved out of here. And I've got my, my Akita Golden Retriever that's just, when I'm home, he's attached to me at the hip. That's awesome. Yeah, we've heard really good stories about those programs that take the dogs out of the shelters and train them to be service dogs. Anybody who's out there who's a veteran that's having a hard time, you know, go volunteer at your local animal shelter. They, they just want love, really. If, if you've got nothing to do and you've got nobody to reach out to, those people at the animal shelters, if you just go in and go, hey, listen, I want to volunteer my time, they'll be happy to let you do that. Just go in there and play with some dogs or some cats or whatever. Just go. That, trust me, that is untouched and untouchable love because they just want some companionship and that's all they want. Yeah. Um, that, that's, that's one of my big advocacy things is that, you know, I can't stand to see a dog killed because nobody wants it. Every dog deserves a home, in, in my opinion. And I'm one of those people that keeps a dog from pup till the day they die. Me too. I've got the most high maintenance little dog in the whole world, but he's, he's got three right now. So what? I've got two. I've got an Akita golden retriever that looks like a black lab. And then I've got an all white pit bull. Ooh, beautiful. Yeah. But I mean, they're, they're both a little high maintenance, but. I love them. Oh, nothing, I promise you, nothing compares to Zeus. <laughs> nothing. 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 My little buddy. Yes. He is rotten. More rotten than any, more rotten than any single child. <laughs> He's kind of a dog. I, I, don't, I, I don't know. My, 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 my two dogs tend to steal my wife's spot in the bed a lot. Oh, no. She gets really mad. This is beyond, Zeus is beyond any of that. <laughs> he thinks he's a toddler. <laughs> Don't they all? Yeah. Yeah. But he's a, a Yorkie minpin mix. So he's a goofy looking little thing. With big and he's got that, ears. and got he's got like, that, he's got that little dog syndrome, doesn't yeah, he? He's got big old radar ears. They're like, those tricks. Why didn't you name him radar? Because I didn't realize his ears were that big when he was a puppy. Like No, he was named as King Zeus. Yeah, King Zeus. His <laughs> name is literally King Zeus. <laughs> he's sleeping that's, right now, but yeah. That's okay. My my pity's name is actually and legitimately this is 
hundred percent true. Is Thor Odin's son? <laughs> See, I'm the, not the only one. I am his, not. Wait, wait, wait. His one. dad's name is actually Odin, <laughs> and he's got a little hammer on his nose, on his staff. Uh-huh. He's got a he's got a little albino spot that's a hammer. So I'm like, you're Thor. You're mine. Joint. Yeah, so cute. Puppies are blessings. Yeah, Zeus has been with me for six years, and he is definitely my dog. Like, they no get way. attached. Yeah, yeah. So if you had some advice for service members that were either getting ready to get out or they've been out for a little while and they're trying to find their way, what would that advice be? (laughs) This one's going to sound terrible, but avoid the Department of Veterans Affairs at all costs. I've had nothing but bad experiences with them. There are a thousand veteran-based programs that are on Facebook or through social media that you can get into, that you can talk to people who are veterans that actually care a thousand times more than the VA. You know, if you have to use the VA for healthcare, great. Use them, you know, do what you can. But if you need to reach out to somebody, reach out. There's always somebody who's going to pick up the phone or answer a text message. It could be three o'clock in the morning, but somebody's going to answer. If you need help, you just need to talk, reach out. Just just reach out to somebody. You got to know somebody. Reach out and try to get in contact with some of those organizations. VFW is great. A lot of those guys, their age gap is really high. That's usually Vietnam veterans are the young guys in the VFW. Uh, but those guys are really stand-up guys, and they'd be happy to talk to anybody. If, you, if you've got a local VFW post, especially if it has a bar, go in and have a couple of drinks with those guys and just talk. It'll help you work through your problems. That um, is, and if you, I've been the biggest advocate for the VFW. Like, that's I've met some really great people there. Like they've helped me out from some really dark places. And my biggest concern right now with the VFW is that people from our generation are not using them. And if we don't start stepping up and taking over or utilizing those services, like the VFW and the American Legion and some of those programs that have been around forever, they're going to go away and then we won't have them anymore. Yeah. And, and that'd be, that'd be a shame, you know? It would. So, and, and anybody like who served in, you know, global war on terrorism, Operation Enduring Freedom, all that, please go out, find your VFW post. Just go talk to those guys because those guys have some, you, you think our Navy was cool and our military was cool. Go talk to those guys because those guys make all of us look like pansies. Because those are <laughs> some, there's, there's one guy at, at the VFW post who was a, a World War II Marine vet stormed the beaches of Normandy on D-Day. And that guy is probably, I think he's almost 100 now. I think he's like 96 or 97, but still is an avid hunter. Still goes out every year. Actually got his picture in the paper, this, the local paper this year, because he got a 12-point buck and drug it out of the woods himself. Good for him. Oh, and he's, he was one of the coolest guys I ever met, but he is so one of those people that you can just sit there for hours and listen to sea stories and, 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 you know, military stories from, and you're like, what the hell was wrong with you at 18 that you were this friggin' brave? Like, it just makes you shake your head. It's like, who the hell is this guy that at 18 decided that I'm going to go charge headlong in a Nazi bullet fire and take Bad the beaches of Normandy. <laughs> yeah. Can we, you know, him? can we, can we cheers? Yeah. Here, here's to everybody who is still alive from world war two. To, to the greatest generation. Yeah, to the generation. And, and I'm actually descended from that generation. Um, I actually have some of my grandfather's uh, war trophies because you were allowed to take them back then. Yeah. Uh, believe it or not, 
and this is one of those objects that I don't display and I don't brag about often, but he actually has a real Nazi flag that he took off of a, uh, out of a German concentration camp. Oh, wow. um, I actually, and it's signed by his entire battalion. That's a piece like, of history. Yeah. It, it's locked up in a, it's locked up in a case. Yeah. I, I actually, I got suspended from high school for that one. <laughs> Cause I actually brought that in as a piece of, we were studying world war two. I brought it in as a piece of history. Hey, I actually have this, this was signed by this division that liberated, um, it was one of the smaller camps. I think it was, I, I forget which one. I'd have to ask my mother. She'd know. But, you know, and, and I never got to meet that particular grandfather. So it, it was one of one of my great, great regrets in life that I was never able to meet my dad, my mom's dad. Yeah. That's amazing that you have that piece of history, though. It, it is. It is one of those things that, uh, that I'm, I'm glad I own and that I still have and that I can still talk about. So if our listeners wanted to contact you, where would be the best place for them to reach you? Uh, I'm on Facebook. Um, shoot me a friend request because I do keep it private because I get a lot of spam people on there. But, you know, shoot me a friend request on Facebook. Shoot me a message in Messenger. My last name's kind of unique. So we'll put it in. Know, the uh, yeah. So, I mean, reach out. Well, once, once I Once I figure out that you're not spam, I'll add you. No problem. And then. Usually it's like, hey, just text me. Here's my phone number. You know, just text me. I'm up to usually one thirty, two o'clock in the morning every night anyway, putting my kids to bed. So, hey, if you're having a rough night, call me, text me, message me. You know, I'll, I'll, talk, I'll, I'll sit here all night and talk to you. I don't care. I, I can run on sleep depth just as well as anybody. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll still listen. I'll still talk. I'm always available too, but... I might fall asleep while you're talking to me. We'll make it through it together. Then. <laughs> yep. I mean, it's just social media is the easiest way to reach me. And then it's usually, Hey, here's my cell phone number. Call me. Yeah. Yeah. Cause this thing is, it never sits far from me. <laughs> True story. I know mine's right here. And especially now that I'm co-hosting and producing this podcast, it's attached to me like all the time. Extra. Extra. <laughs> like even more than it was before. We would like to give a huge thanks to Rafa 180. Rafa 180 offers pure medicinal CBD and products made locally. They walk alongside individuals to achieve a healthy lifestyle with options needed by each person. You can learn more about them on Facebook at Rafa CBD, their website www.rafa180.com or email at rafacbd at gmail.com. They truly believe your journey matters. So, Amber, do you want to discuss a little bit about the charity we've chosen to support this episode? Sure. So, this episode, we are supporting the Fallen Outdoors. They can be found at thefallenoutdoors.com. They are a veteran-founded, veteran-ran, veteran-organized group that takes veterans, no matter what you've been through, no matter what you got going on, uh, male, female, there's no criteria other than having an honorable discharge and they will take you hunting and fishing. And so for more information about them, like I said, it's thefallenoutdoors.com. They are supporting the same thing that Amanda and I are as far as 22 a day and mental health awareness, but they will take veterans hunting and fishing and they are across the entire country. That, that sounds awesome. And, you know, I still hope we can do something to get that 22 a day down because that's, that's 22 too many. Yeah. Go out, go out hunting with some veterans. Yeah. That, that, that would be awesome. You know, anybody, anybody's in Missouri, if you want to go hunting, fishing, 
Call me. I'm I'm always ready to to, to grab a gun or grab a fishing pole. They're <laughs> they're never far away. Absolutely. And, and there's they, always there's always something in season. Right? Always. Do you in Missouri, can you get your hunting and fishing license for free if you're a disabled veteran? Yes. It, it is free and I'm about ninety-nine percent sure that a disabled vet, your hunting license is free. They also have in Missouri what they call the apprentice hunters program. How that works is is basically as long as you're with somebody who has gone through, got their hunting license, got gone through their hunter safety course. If you're just trying to get into hunting and you want to see if you like it without having to go through the course and take all the classes and all the certifications, you can go hunting with that person and basically you get your own tags and your own hunting license to go hunting and try it, which is a great program that I, I love. It's a, basically a try before you buy. Well, that's really cool. Yeah. I actually took uh, my, my brother-in-law out on the apprentice hunting program, uh, deer hunting this year. So it was, it was a lot of fun. Did he get a deer? No, we, we, we got, we, we didn't get any that day, but I, I went out the next weekend and I got the little, the little button buck I got sitting on the ground over here. <laughs> well, that's good. At least you got some meat to put in your freezer. Yeah. And then that's the other thing is if you just, if you just want to, if you don't want to, if you want to go out and just trophy hunt, you can have the head. I'll take the meat. I'll, I'll eat it. <laughs> Won't bother me none. I love venison. It's good. It's good. Amber, do you want to talk about the merch? Sure. So, um, on top of supporting, um, the fallen outdoors, Amanda and I are also supporting to Valhalla project and we have a merch link. What's on there right now, Amanda? Uh, we got some t-shirts, some hoodies, some long sleeve shirts and some tank tops on there right now. Aren't yep. you drinking uh, a veterans with drinking vodka tumbler? Is, don't you have a tumbler down there? I do, but it's just the sticker. It's a homemade tumbler. Oh, all right. But a portion, a portion of our merch goes to <laughs> Fallen Outdoors, Silver Hall Project, where we are trying to support those organizations while supporting ourselves doing this podcast. And so we also have koozies. You can reach out to Amanda for those. How, how can they reach out to us, Amanda? So if you would like to contact us for any reason, or if you would like a sticker or a koozie or more information about who we are and what we're doing, you can reach us at Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Veterans Drinking Vodka, or you can email us directly at veteransdrinkingvodka at gmail.com. And not only for merchandise, but please reach out to Amanda and myself if you'd like to tell your story and and be on a guest on our podcast. You can send us an email at the at the Gmail, Veterans Drinking Vodka Gmail, or you can direct message us on any of the social media platforms. If you like our podcast, subscribe on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, Amazon, or wherever you choose to listen to your podcast. Also, leave us a review and let us know what you think. Uh, please leave us a review. It's important for us to know how we're doing, good, bad, ugly, and different. By no means are Amber and I professional podcasters. We're just you know, taking a leap of faith and, and rolling with it. Also, when you leave us a review and leave us comments, it helps with the algorithm in podcast world so that more veterans can find us and listen to the stories that we are telling. And on top of our podcast, you can also join us every Sunday for Veterans After Hours via Zoom. We start at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. We're hanging out, telling stories, sharing resources, and meeting new friends. It's a shit show. So much fun. 
We do have to throw the disclaimer out there, though, that it is a veteran networking group, even though veteran, active duty, military, and civilian personnel are all invited. However, it is live and unscripted, so you never know what you're going to get. Hot Mess Express right there every Sunday night. Yeah. So if you want to know what happens when veterans get together and start telling stories and hanging out, like, jump on. We'll hang out with you. But in, in conclusion... As Amanda and I are wrapping up this episode, I mean, the whole reason why Amanda and I started this podcast and why we're talking to veterans is to bring about mental health awareness and the fact that 22 veterans kill themselves a day. We know that that number does fluctuate, but 22 is 22 too many. One is too many. And you are never alone. Veterans Drinking Podcast. Cheers. <laughs>